<laughs> so my dad was like, like grab something for anyone else. There's the balloons again. <laughs> the balloons, Mr. Balloon Hands. Mr. Balloon's Hands. Dude, what's so crazy about this is I've been listening to like other podcasts and we are not the only ones where someone's like stopped and be like, holy shit, why did balloons just come across your avatar? <laughs> like, this is sweeping the nation by storm. Benny, I was just explaining to JP how we ended up being the richest guys in the world, aka having <laughs> two different gift cards to Buffalo Wild Wings, totally to $125. So... I just, I threw a $25 gift card on top of a Christmas shopping spree. And my dad was like, who's that for? And I was like, me and Betty. <laughs> <laughs> what did you want to know? Dad? And he, he was just like, nice. And which is the proper response. Benny has, or had a $100 gift card to, it was one of those gift cards that you can use like 10 different places. And, and ten mo like the most different types of places. There's but it was like hundred dollars. So the intention was probably that you would use them at ten different places, not at one. Yeah, I don't think the that world exists that I could or that I could buy ten <laughs> different In this things for ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, like, like the other ones bars. were like like Cheesecake Factory was on there, I think. Regal Cinemas was on there. Macy's you need like a large Sephora. soda. Yeah, a large soda, a large and soda, and one movie ticket for a hundred dollars. Yeah, <laughs> or or forty buffalo wings. We we did throw down, and <laughs> super secret producer Skinder was like ordering top shelf Jameson, which is the <laughs> only way. <laughs> the only we were at, we walked from Research Stadium after Oregon State's crushing, heartbreaking 22 to 20 loss to UW, which we'll get into on this 117th episode of the Belligerent Beavs podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. We don't sound nearly as sad as we should right now because we're reliving moments from a fun weekend. But <laughs> me, Benny, and Super Secret Producer Skinder walked like two and a half miles from Reeser to B-dubs on 9th, which was by where we were staying. No one has cell service. Benny's phone is dead. I think my phone is just whatever. You're not going to get a Lyft. You're not going to get an Uber. So we just kept walking. And then we got to B-dubs. And I was in my feelings leaving Reeser for the last time after a Pac-12 game, as we know it. Then yeah. we get to Buffalo Wild Wings. We order. The server and bartender upsells a skinder on like, oh, you want a shot at Jameson? It was too here? easy. How about like Jameson Blue Cask Edition? And I'm like, none <laughs> of those words. That's not a thing. But anyway, I guess the beat ups in Corvallis stocks like Jameson Reserve or some shit. So then that comes. I started crying. And then, like Formula Which One, time? Vegas is marquee. I cried twice. <laughs> I cried. I cried harder at the B Dubs. And honestly, if you haven't cried in the Buffalo Wild Wings on ninth after a heartbreaking loss, have you even Corvallis? I say no. I say you haven't. <laughs> I cried because I lived. 
And like Skins turned around and looked at my face and was just like, whoa. And Benny, who had just gotten done being like listing the 117 reasons why he's so sad, was like, are you crying? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yes. And our meal was comped because we had all those gift cards. So thank God. Wait, comped by B-dubs? Comped by the gift cards. Kind of. Kind of. Because Skins... I had my wallet out and Skin said something and I was like, you got this? Because there was like an extra part of the bill. I think he was pulling his wallet out in the in the act of, I'm going to act like I'm going to look like I'm going to pay. But I know you guys have $125 in gift cards. Well, yeah. less, it was it was like 98 at that point because we went to Cor- the B-dubs first thing when we arrived on Friday. And I was being basic <laughs> and ordering White Claws and not I didn't cry. I didn't cry fancy Jameson shots. I was ordering Bud Light. Yeah. But like the big ones. Oh, nice. They're like, yeah. do you want a big White one Claw, or a regular one? Bud I was Light, like, I need a big Jameson one. Blue Plus cast five-year edition. <laughs> Jameson Blue yeah. Plus at the B-dubs on 9th. Oh, my God. We have a lot to get into. My God. Beaver Nation, Beaver fam. Thank you for tuning in to this mm. melancholic episode of the Belligerent Beavs podcast. It's not It's not all melancholy, though. We've got some positive things to talk about, which yeah, we, we will eventually. But if you're listening to this, then by now you already know. You probably watched it. You may have been there. Oregon State lost to the University of Washington Fuskies, 22-20. to 20. A cold and rainy day in the Paris of the Pacific Northwest. Oh, to say the least. That is not good. It's not fun. It's not lovely. It doesn't fill us up. But we are here, and you are here with us. And if you're not here, then you don't hear what I'm saying, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> And that fills us up. Seeing the two beautiful faces looking back at me on my Zoom, that of J.P. Bertram in Portland and Benjamin Lawrence, Sebastian Weehage, back in Tacoma safely. Benny and I had a great Sunday Sunday brunch in Portland. Where'd you go? Shout out, we went to that place with, with in that spot that had that burger with those people who we like. That Sherry's. burger was so good. Sherry's. Sherry's. <laughs> It was that Sherry's, burger was very Sherry's good. on ninth in Corvallis. <laughs> classic, <laughs> <a> classic. <laughs> and we're so happy to have you as listeners on this 117th episode of the Belligerent Beefs podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you to everyone who said what's up to us or introduced themselves to us, came and found us on either on the terrace, some of the tailgates before we were roaming around for a while. It was a not the result we wanted, but ultimately, as I was I was flying back to Minneapolis today, a lot of a lot of happy thoughts and a lot of pleasant reminders of why I love being a Beaver fan and why I love being on this show. And we can't thank our listeners enough for that <laughs> for for giving us this platform. The season's not over, so I don't want this the tone of this episode to sound like it is. JP is literally wearing a "We Ain't Done Yet." Hoodie, a belligerent yeah. bees, we ain't done yet hoodie. Yeah. I'm wearing my beeves and beers and buckets. Yeah. Skirt, we're going to do all three of those things tonight. Yeah. 
And I'm wearing a shirt that looks like the sky because or the sky it, is not falling. Or it looks like the cotton candy that the mini babay was eating oh. at Oregon State's impressive and immaculate 3-0 win over the Portland Pilots at Merlot Field on Sunday <laughs> night, baby. I'm so glad I didn't let him finish that thing. Oh, my God. That's how you spin, kids. Yes. It's a celebration, bitches. <laughs> All right. So that was it for the celebration. That, that yeah. Was, and that's it for episode 117 <laughs> of the Blue and Peeps podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, my God, you guys. We have our notes. We have our outline. We have our stuff. I think maybe we should probably just get into... The beer, the Reagan beer segment, as we do every episode, if this is your first time here, thank you. Welcome. We cheers. We have a beer or a vice of choice to celebrate beaver fanhood with each other with. And I think we all got a lot we want to see off on. So I think probably the best course of action here is to get into this beer segment. Toast to the beaver fam and anyone else we want to toast to and then just kind of dive head in how does that sound yep mm. sounds good sounds all good. right i can go first because i've got a quick one i think jp's might be quick too because as i stayed in jp's house last night i can attest to the slim pickings of his <laughs> of his beer selection yeah what happened uh, you had a bunch of friends over <laughs> and your friends are savages and that's what happens i got back to minneapolis at about 6 p.m central time today and at 6 5 p.m central time i was in a lift to, on my way downtown to the timberwolves knicks game and i got home about 10 minutes before recording because nba refs are assholes and make every fourth quarter take four hours the game was on pace to end like under two hours total anyway that's not why you're here no one cares but still ban refs <laughs> So I came home. I have I have some other vices in the house as I always do, but the only beers in the fridge are a couple of couple of hams left. Returning mm. listeners will know. I love I love I am a hamsman. My my favorite kind of shitty beer. And so it's the same the same kind of Christmassy but not Christmassy can. Brewed in the land of the sky blue waters. Hams beer. Let's go. Let's Terry go. Hamsman. Terry Hamsman. Terrace Hamsman. so yeah that's what i'm drinking tonight jp what about you well i'll keep it basic as well we restocked on our standard ecliptic starburst and then Mm. also a little a little bit of a bittersweet because starburst well ecliptic as we know it no longer exists they oh shit they were sold and suppose to the the big 10 Probably, probably. <laughs> They're just Those taking everything. Blood-sucking yeah. fuckers. Yeah. Nothing is sacred. The, so they Could were we sold... get acquired by the Big Ten? Could that happen? No, I don't. I would turn them down. <laughs> right, what, what if we didn't have, like, what if we just woke up someday and just some guy was like, okay, we own your podcast now. Mm. We're in LLC, right? We are. It was renewed. Does that mean I I didn't major in business at Oregon State? No. Oh. So, but, but like, what could someone just be like, "We've acquired you"? Probably well, not. But they'd have to talk to the, <laughs> yeah, pr- the principal right. owners, which is us right. three. <laughs> I would so say it, no. 
it'd be shocking if there was more than one of us who had no idea that uh, that had occurred. <laughs> well, the the offer that Let I heard was us. that we get to replace Oregon in the Big Ten, and then they get to see how it feels all to right. be in the pack. And Wazi replaces UW. So I say yes to that arrangement. Wait, are you saying we like Oregon State or we like us three? Like Oregon's <laughs> athletic department is just banished to the belligerent beeves podcast and yeah. Oregon State gets their spot in the Big Ten? Or we get sure. their spot and they're in the pack with Oregon State. And we compete on the field. So the yeah. belligerent beefs against like Michigan. I don't. I don't think any of us have any eligibility left. I do. Well, that would be a problem. Uh, I, I, actually, I, I don't think that's how it works. I used up my. I know, <laughs> I I know where I know where your mind went, and I don't think that's how it works. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry for hijacking. Not even a grad. Not even a grad transfer. We would have to be enrolled in grad schools, which we can do. We can You're create our own grad of- school. And then enroll. <laughs> no, you I'm, you were teaching at a different grad I was school. Teaching. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's that's. I I watched scary. great. I watched great courses plus on Amazon right. Prime TV. Wow. I yeah. I, I binged the chair on Netflix in one sitting. That's that's about teaching university. So I have not but, heard of any of these like programs. It. The chair is actually pretty good. It was a little triggering for me, but now that I haven't worked in higher ed for eight weeks, it it, it might be a good time to revisit it. Anyway, JP, <laughs> Ecliptic. Ecliptic. They shut down the tap room. They sold, supposedly, oh, they claim no. that you will still be able to find Starburst and some of the other favorites in restaurants and stores, but you know how that always goes when something gets yeah. acquired. That's one of those empty promises. Like, can you promise that you'll still make our beers and keep the keep the name alive? And they're like, yeah, you got it. And then as soon as they get the recipe, they swap out all the quality ingredients for some of the bulk mass-produced stuff and then eventually phase it out because it sucks because they sabotaged it. But Or when a conference commissioner says, my allegiance is to our 12-member institution, institutions, and then... Mm. My allegiance is to our ten remaining member institutions. We and have four my board members. Is to is to my, our remaining nine institutions, and then my allegiance is to our remaining four institutions, and then fuck those assholes. I don't yeah, care. I don't work for them anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when I said ten? I meant the other ten. Yeah. 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 So yeah. R.I.P. Ecliptic. Really sad. Ecliptic. I know. Way, God way to bring damn the mood it, up, JP. Way to bring the mood up, JP. But that's okay. We need to. We need to shed light. All things, good and bad. Yeah, yeah. We can't, work through our feelings. Let's do it live. We can't be a shelter or an echo chamber from the world. So, anyway, Benny. Yeah. Bright eyed and flat tailed. <laughs> yeah, I. Shout well, out I think if. Yeah, shout out to them. Yeah. It, if you've listened for any length of time, you probably know that I don't drink a whole lot. That was not the case this weekend, as Terry alluded to with with the White Claws. You, you so also didn't that, drink like someone wait, who... you alluded doesn't... to the White Claws. Benny, oh, I Benny was outpacing me. I did like, allude to the White Claws. Benny was drinking like someone who houses 
a case of Coors a day <laughs> on the yeah. Terrace King. Yeah. I like went and got. I was so cold and like my beer was sloshing around because I like my hands couldn't stop shaking because of how cold it was. <laughs> that was true. And I was just like taking my time with it, whatever. And then Benny was just like done. <laughs> Well, I had my hand warmers in my pocket, so I was trying to drink it as quick as I could. <laughs> so, yes. needless to say, that you haven't, you haven't of, lost your touch, which is good to know, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that on top of just being outside in that weather for that length of time, because we were outside since we left the Peacock, really, which was at, what, 10, 11, 11 in the morning? Something Until like that. <laughs> 8.39 at night. So, anyways... Well, that's a long way of saying that I am drinking water and trying to get my hydration back up to where it was before I went to Corvallis, which is hard. Yeah. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> yeah. Feels that way. How was your skin drive absorb back? all the water? How was your drive back on Sunday evening? Dude, I, well, I honestly, I probably should have pulled off to the side of the road and taken a nap. I was so tired by the time I got home. Did you not see the couch at the uh, Portland establishment that we were lunching? Benny, you could have taken a nap on the couch. (laughs) I'm sure everyone there would have been okay with that. I'm sure they would have. In the middle of Starbucks, I'm talking about. Mm. (laughs) You knuckleheads. (laughs) I, yeah, I was very, very tired when I got home last night. Mm. Well, I may be going to bed early. All right. We rallied, man. And we made it out to Merlot Field. We'll touch on that in a little yeah. bit. But I'm, I was impressed we did that, Terry. We aren't we aren't young chaps like we used to be, but we we we're not. We made it. We made it happen. Even did a miniature accelerated, very short tailgate at Merlot. Oh yeah, you were like <laughs> you're already done with your beer. <laughs> I looked at yours. It was and like by tailgate. I net. meant we we parked the car. Asked, can we drink beer on this campus? Who cares? And then JP drank an IPA in like eight seconds. Terry was the 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 like whole vibe of the weekend was Terry just getting his mind blown by how fast his friends were drinking beer in front of him. Yeah, well, I'm I kind of had to. I had to though because in the back seat of the car, I didn't want the mini bebe to come out and stand outside. There was like a lot of car traffic. We were like off in this like yeah. unlit area off of UP campus. Beer and- in the bushes. Yeah, but I'm like, I don't want him to come out here, but I gave him a little tailgating beverage that it was a leftover starry from, from Reeser that we brought home. And so he's in the back seat. We're outside the car, and I just look in the inside and pop my head in, and he's just guzzling the starry, like just absolutely slamming it. I'm like, okay, I need to finish this up so I can take that from him and tell him we got to go so he doesn't drink the whole thing before we even right. get out of the car. Because it was like full still. Pretty sure it was his sisters, but you know, you snooze, you lose. That's that's his. Yeah, that's some big brother shit right there. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. He had he had the he had the taste for sugar last night for sure. That was not oh the last God. excessively sugary treat that he got to enjoy. Not even close. But with that, we should raise our beverages, our drinks, our vices filled with sugar or not. And just toast to the Beaver fam, everyone who made it to Reeser, everyone who is loud, everyone who is proud, everyone who watched had made this the 2023 season, the sixth game slate at Reeser, one for the memory books. 
another another five and one slate. We all wish it could have been six, and we got got some more work to do. But God damn it, I love that stadium. I love that town. Shouts to all of the Beaver Athletic Operations team who make that an incredible place and a very special place, and only making it better year by year. But yeah, y'all are the best. I love you in victory and defeat. Slancha to the Beaver fam. Chop them. And that phrase, chop them, one that you cannot spell without hope, whether you're finishing incredible, iconic program building win or coming up short and losing by two points in a rainstorm. On either of those occasions, you can't spell it without hope. And it is important to remember that. But the final score from Reeser on a rain-soaked Saturday evening is the University of Washington Huskies 22 and your Oregon State Beavers 20. I think what I would like to sort of start here with this is we knew the rain and the elements were going to be a factor. I think both quarterbacks (laughs) probably would have played better had the rain even just been a little less relent or a little bit more, or a little bit less relenting little had the rain been less those. crazy. Yeah. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at Ben after we tied the score seven and seven, and it was just miserable at that point. I was like, I think we're good enough to beat him on a sunny day. <laughs> Cause everyone was like, this is going to be amazing. And it's like, we have to play in it too. But we got the defensive performance we needed. Had you told me before the game, Washington score is 22. I'd be like, we probably win. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't want to put this on the offense. The game script was crazy. A lot of things got flipped. Got to give credit to Washington's defense. But I think I want to start sort of with our defensive performance. I don't think Penix necessarily lost the Heisman. It's because they won. And if he has a crazy Apple Cup and another crazy... Pac-12 championship game. I think he probably is your Heisman winner. If Washington goes undefeated, whatever, I don't care. But the defense was sensational. So just with thinking of the elements being what maybe we wanted before the game started and with just how well the defense played and keeping Penix off the field in that second half especially and not allowing another point after halftime, Sort of what are just like your guys' main takeaways now that we've been able to reflect for a little longer than 48 hours since the final whistle, knowing how close we were and how ultimately how we came up short, but that we did do a lot of things in the formula necessary to come away with a win. Just sort of what where are your guys' minds at? I, like for me, I think when it comes to the actual – like physical action of the game, Oregon State dominated in the areas that we talked about last week of where they needed to dominate. And that was limiting panics and being able to run the ball. They were able to do both things. And, and Oregon State actually, they led in total yards, but they also led in both rushing and passing yards. And I think 
when you look back on it, the area where this game was lost was the things that are going to drive the coaches absolutely up the walls. And that was untimely penalties, specifically the one that was holding on the two yard line. The third down conversion, I think Oregon State was like three for 15 or three for 12. Three for 12. Yeah. And, and we were constantly starting in like second and 13, second and 15. So there. And then the turnover battle, like Oregon State was plus 10 going into the game. Washington was minus two. I think that was probably a facet of the game that we didn't talk a whole lot about because Oregon State seemed like they were going to have an advantage in that regard. And if you look at Oregon State's only turnover that they got, they turned the ball over two plays later. Yeah. In you know, in the red zone. So the fact that we did all of that against the number five team in the country and only lost by two and really we're setting ourselves up into a really good position to win the game on that last drive. Right. I mean, that, that is why it was so frustrating. You did just about everything you could to shoot yourself in the foot and you're still in the game with a team that is 50, 50 chance of playing in the college football playoffs. Certainly higher now. Yeah. uh, Yeah. And, and, and a team that was, rightfully or wrongfully you know sort of felt at, from an Oregon State perspective to have been one of the the schools that caused the whole demise of the Pac-12 like that's why it's so frustrating because Oregon State should have beaten Washington based on the actual like physical play of the ball yeah I'll add so, I'll yeah. add the clock into that too we beat them in time of possession 37 oh, and a half to 22 and a half yeah and and that, that's i mean that's what you you had everything that you i don't wanted. think smith has ever lost a game with that type of clock control no i'd have to i'd have to look that up so don't quote me on that beaver fam but like even if, like i said if you said before the game washington scores 22 i'd say we win if you had just shown me the time of possession before with no other context, I'm like, how do we lose this? Mm-hmm. How can we like that's what that's what we're you know predic this team is predicated on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so definitely, definitely frustrating, especially bringing up like that was an incredible play by Oladapo. Yeah, the one turnover we got to catch Joe oh, gotcha. Johnson, force that fumble. That's why Oladapo is maybe the best NFL draft prospect on this defense, maybe on this entire team. We'll get back to that more <laughs> over the course of draft season, but that's a play. That's the reason why there are scouts salivating over that guy right now. But yeah, JP, what are you thinking, man? Yeah, I'm glad we talked about Katan's punched out forced fumble, and the 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 thing that I realized as soon as it occurred was most defensive players, when you're catching a guy from behind, short of the goal line, you you may try for the punch out, you rarely succeed. And most guys know that, so they don't even attempt it. They just try to save the touchdown, force a couple more plays, get the tackle. And it was very clear that Oladapo was aiming for the ball. That was his ultimate goal. The 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 I don't know the physical attributes, and mental attributes required in order to pull that off in the way that he did. You know, it was it was you know, phenomenal. When it comes to the defense. They held their own in the second half for sure. 
I think by that point, too, though, the rain had just become so relentless that mo- both coaches were trying to adjust on the fly offensively. They were there was there had to have been some angle, and they were going to look for it to, to win that game. And we 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 were able to not like break off of any of those halftime adjustments. Obviously, not giving up what, like any points in the second half. So the part of it that I thought was interesting to was I was expecting with the rain. I didn't think that Washington was going to go away from throwing the ball, and they didn't. But I thought it would be one of those games where Penix had to make a lot of decisions behind the line, and you'd hold on to the ball maybe a little bit too long, and we'd have a, a couple more opportunities to make a sack or at least put a lot of pressure on him. Penix doesn't get sacked a whole lot, but he had been sacked once at a or one, at least one time Five of seven conference games thus far up until Saturday. And we didn't come away with any sacks. Uh, and so I I, I thought, like we barely touched them. Yeah. 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 And, I, and, I, and I think that that actually was maybe one of those, like, unsung reasons why he still did have his way with us. And yeah. I think a lot of it was subdued because of the weather. But, yeah, I mean, defense – like I said, they, they didn't break. They held on to the game as much as they could to allow the offense to have their opportunities. The offense, for the most part, at least in the first half, held up their own as well. There was, not to transition off defense, but I mean, there was that interesting stat about the first down carries in, in the, the second, second half. half. Yeah. We carried the ball eleven times on for eleven times on fifteen first down plays in the second half, and for a total of four yards. So yeah. when we're talking about those third down conversions, you can literally pinpoint right there why we had so few third down conversions because we had so many second and longs. We just could not get it going on first down with the run in the second half. And I think that played a, a big difference in us. Right. Moving away from the run game, which I know a lot of right. fans are questioning, rightfully I think Damian was playing a hell of a game, but you can't you can't just look at individual plays. You have to look at the whole yeah. body of work. And so, when our first down rushes aren't working, and it's pouring rain, and no quarterback was fairly accurate, there wasn't a lot of big throws because of the downpour. You ha- you had to try something else, and I know we tried some big throws. They did, but they they also didn't work. So, you know, we- it is what it is. But that that game really came down to the second half, and to be honest, it came down to that final drive. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think and- we would have been happy with that. Be like, put the ball in our offense's hands. All you need yep. is a field goal, and <laughs> came close, but just. It kind of felt like we were waiting for one explosive play that just never came. And if that explosive play comes, then we're 9-2 and two and eagerly anticipating where we fall in the college football rankings tomorrow night. So, I, I think I think that, that that is such a good point. Like There were so many times in that game where it felt like if that one play just went the other way. And like, I know I brought it up before, but that holding penalty at the two yard line, we get pushed back to the 12. We end up settling for a field goal. And I think that 
did that make it 20 to 22 or i forget i forget what that made it maybe 10 to maybe 10 to 17 anyways that penalty if it doesn't happen we get the ball in and of course the game can shift it doesn't mean that you know seven points instead of three is going to make it so that we win this game certainly would have helped and it like it just seems like if the ball would have bounced a different way on five or six different plays Oregon State wins that game I don't know if you can say the same thing for Washington like there doesn't seem like a play where it just went terribly wrong for Washington and Oregon State really benefited from it. Like like on that turnover, they got the ball right back, and I believe they scored a touchdown on that. So it, it just, yeah, it felt like Oregon State was very, very, very unlucky in that game. Yeah, yeah. and then there's another holding penalty, too, that erased a big <clears throat> chunk run by DJ earlier in the game. That could have been, you know, it was the difference between either having the ball at midfield or having the ball first and 10 on like the 25 is what it ended up being. I think I wanted DJ's more electric runs of the night. So, and that's football, you know, there's going to be a lot of play like 50, 50 plays. And like Al Pacino says in game of any given Sunday, it's a game of inches. <laughs> and it really was on Saturday night. I think, yeah, the Washington's run defense really stepped up in the second half. I think, you know, I, I'm never going to be upset with a play call that puts the ball in Dame's hands. But I also think that just, oh, if we had just run the ball, kind of rhetoric doesn't really tell the whole story and kind of misses the point here. Well, I think what people we, are also not pinpointing is that Fenwick clearly was in himself. From right. like you mentioned it, Terry, like you kind of saw something pregame that pre tipped you off. Like something seems strange here. There was a moment pregame where I questioned if Fenwick was a hundred percent. He kind of there is it was very close to the start of the game, and he was kind of you know by himself in the end zone, and then he walked over to a pylon, took his had his helmet off, like knelt down, and just took a while to like collect himself. And I was like. Maybe this is just his routine, whatever, but like <clears throat> he didn't look like the sort of, you know, hyped Deshaun that we're that we're used to seeing. And then his in the box score, it's three carries, zero yards, and there wasn't quite the same sharpness or ruthlessness any of the times that he touched the ball. Yeah. And like his first carry. Yeah, his first yeah, carry, he got, he got blasted like right away. And, and but he made a cut. He made a cut, and it looked slightly like he slipped, but it wasn't really like he slipped from wet turf. And it was it was super awkward to see. And as soon as I watched him get yeah, just totally blasted, it was like I don't I don't think Fenwick's got it tonight. I don't know what it is, but something about it was this. It was similar explosiveness or lack thereof. That he had towards the end of last season as well when he just like, I mean, middle of the end of last season when he was injured and that when Damien essentially kind of took over as the number one back from that point forward. And it was, at the moment, it was kind of like, well, he doesn't seem like he's got it tonight. But looking back on it, I mean, that was a huge factor. To not have yeah. our two-punch of our one-two punch we Damien, don't get me wrong. He's a workhorse back. The man could carry a team if he right. needed to. But, but it he's was not gonna, 
you can't give it to him 40 times. Yeah, and 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 not not in a game where everyone's expecting the run because of right. the weather. And and because no quarterback could really get it going. Yeah. So it seemed like we were struggling a lot on the outside runs too. Like the only play that was that really felt like it was working with any sort of consistency was a run up the middle, like the most basic play. So I, I don't know what was going on with that, but it seemed like Damian just could not break loose right. outside at all. There was another couple of plays too that I don't necessarily want to harp on, but just since we're <laughs> we're recalling things that possibly went wrong, which is what every Beaver fan is doing, driving to and from work at the water cooler and everything this week. But so Henley Bloomfield got hurt in the second half. And he's done for the season, according <clears throat> to it, it looks big, like it. Big Dave confirmed and on Twitter. Then and I think Flavio is the one who comes in for him at that left guard spot. And I think we instantly ran like three straight plays to the left and like none of them worked. And I'm not trying to put Flavio on blast and be like, that's the reason why. And I know it's, it's big level football. It's, it's next man up. You can't just be like, Oh, we're not going to run to the left because our left guard got hurt or whatever. But it kind of seemed like you're playing with fire a little bit here. He got hurt on a play where he pulled out like pretty far Damien got pretty far down. That was that was the field, the drive that ended in a field goal that made it twenty two twenty. Benny, I don't know if there's a. I, I don't. I think the holding penalty deepened was earlier. Was earlier. Yeah. But it was just kind of like we're gonna try and treat this play like we would any other play, despite personnel. And I think I'm nitpicking here, honestly. But it's just like. When your stalwart left guard goes out, I'm not instantly running behind the person replacing him. And that just kind of seemed like something that maybe the there was a scripted drive and they had seen something and they wanted to stick to it. And it was like, oh, this will work. F- fuck Bloomfield's out now. So I don't know. But I just I noticed Bloomfield down for a while. Took him a while to get off the field. And then like the next two to three plays were just no gains to an area of the field where Bloomfield normally lines up. And it's like, I would maybe, I would maybe not put that immediate pressure on the backup offensive lineman who's coming in cold right now in the fourth quarter. In the cold. In, in the, the cold. In, in, the, in the literally and figuratively cold. But anyway, I don't it's know, one another, of those. I'll say, ahead, what, one other little nugget that I – I'm not going to try to put this on anybody again as well, but I'm curious with how you guys felt the game went when like Velling, Velling got two targets and he only had the one reception for one yard. And as somebody who can open up the field for us, for, for all factors of our offense, getting him involved is, I mean, we are humming when Velling is one of our top targets for the play calling, for the decision making on throws, for him successfully getting open, and yeah, two targets, one incomplete pass on that final drive, and then one earlier in yep. the game for one yard. Final offensive play. So curious what you guys think about why. I, th- I think that's probably maybe the biggest thing that Lindgren is kicking himself over yesterday and today, because you can 
so many of Valiant's dangerous plays have been on you know short to intermediate routes and like plays that don't take super long to develop. And I think on his one catch, Benny, you and I were standing next to each other. We talked about it. DJ had him dead to rights, wide open from like the snap. Yeah, and just rolled out, held onto the ball too long. And by the time he got the ball to Valiant, he was already like he had to make a Chris Carter sideline catch just to stay in bounds, and it was a gain of the yard. And I don't know if it would have been a touchdown, but he had space to run. So I don't know if it was just the rhythm was off. But I think every everyone on our team, but Velling especially, it's just like you don't need clear skies <laughs> and warm temperatures for like that that to work. You know, it's a lot of just he runs you know, out routes and hitches and, you know, finds those pockets of space and sits down, you know, four yards down the field, five yards down the field. And just that big frame of his, even if he gets blasted right when he catches the ball, that's still that I'm shocked that we didn't try to work him into it more in the second half when Washington knew we were going to Dame on every first down and uh, yeah, were I, really stopping us. Cause that seems like the most natural progression and doesn't put that much pressure on DJ to try and make those plays happen. I think though that, and I I only watched it came from the terrace. I haven't rewatched it on TV or anything, but it seems like what could have contributed to that is Washington's. It felt like Washington was stacking the box and daring DJ to throw out to Silas or Gould specifically or or Irish, and yeah, they were playing a lot of man to man, and so I I would think part of that would make Velling's normal lanes. Uh, and routes more a little bit more congested. Exactly. Yeah. So I, again, I don't know if that was the case, but it was certain they were certainly stacking the box to stop Dame. They knew that was coming. And I think Dame, I think I made a comment to you, Terry, like that Dame makes more out of nothing more than I've seen a player do in a really long time. But there was a whole lot of nothing for Dame to work with, right? Because Washington had so many people that you know they just stacked the box with. Right. One one point to make on the Velling stuff is that in all of our well, in every game where he has had a reception longer than twenty five yards, we've won. And a lot of it, of course, is a little bit of yak, right? Like just getting the ball, let let his size and speed do the work. But I mean. It has he hasn't had less than twenty yards for a reception since the Utah game. He has only had a twenty yard reception or more in a loss, and that was against Arizona. And he had the twenty two yards. He actually had a really good game. So I don't know if it was maybe it was Washington just being like, We're gonna take Dame out of the game and in the same breath we're gonna do our best to take Velling out of the game. And it just didn't work for us to try to figure out how to get anyone else involved. But, yeah, I think that that's one of those box score stat lines that you're going to look at in, in 10 years and be like, this team was moving. They were hot. The offense was explosive. And then all of a sudden, Jack Velling got one reception for one yard. Yeah. 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 That, that That's surprising. I didn't know that stat until you said something but you would think that i mean yeah the dj clearly could the the rain was affecting him and so you want to play that dink and dunk game you would think that 
Velling would be a huge part of that. Yeah, yeah that's surprising. Absolutely. And especially but... against his hometown <clears throat> column. Right. Yeah. Right, right. That would have been nice. That would have been nice for him. But yeah, I think a lot of this, you know, comes down to <clears throat> watching and being the best team we played all year and just yeah. two great I mean, teams credit going to them. at it. And yeah. there's a reason they're gonna be in the college football playoff. Yeah. I mean they're good. Yeah, I and I mean that that is a a frustrating part. I think it, it's similar to the Arizona game, where it, like it wasn't really anybody's fault. I mean there wasn't a position group or a player that you were just like, like if they would have just played better, it would have been a different outcome. Like I thought that everyone played a fairly good game, just like I said, like the ball didn't bounce our way a couple more times than what we sort of expect if it was 50 50 and you know and washington played, played a really on a good sunny game. day right yeah, you know what play, yeah. i'm crowning ourselves victors on the the never happening rematch on a sunny day in corvallis <laughs> right that we would win that game with ease so congrats we right. won it just yeah we didn't handle the slap as well as i think we all hoped you know three turnovers total that punt or that snap that sailed over punter josh green's head that resulted oh in yeah which, which is also not a turnover not why we lost the game though there's yes good people on, point on discourse out. who are like well you give up a safety you lose by two that's the reason why you lose let's remember washington eventually scored a touchdown that made it 22 to 10 and went for two and didn't get it had that been flipped i think you would see washington kicks an extra point instead of going for two because a 11 point lead is much more advantageous than a 10 point lead. And then the 12 point lead doesn't, it doesn't reward the same type of risk. So I think when you're up 22 to 10 analytics skews towards going for two Mm -hmm. in that situation more so than it would if you had just gone up 20 to 10. So we are likely the, the most generous reading of that is we would have been down 21 20 in, in the final drive as opposed to yeah. 22 to 20. Yes. Obviously every, every game is a different version of the butterfly effect. So who knows what happens and what doesn't. And you know, that safety obviously really hurt us and took away some momentum because UW scored on the opening drive of the game. We matched it and we stopped them they stopped us and it's like all right if you get a good punt out of josh green here and then you're sending the defense back out on the field at seven seven and it's just kind of like who's gonna who's gonna blink first or whatever and that safety then made it so we were chasing the game for the rest of the time so it was significant i'm not saying it's not but just be like oh had we only just not had that one bad snap then we did overtime like that. It just doesn't, football doesn't work that way. It's still not a great play, especially on a day where we, the Huskies had a lot of penalties too. So I'm not going to just bemoan the penalty thing. Like yeah. I do whenever we come, even I do that more after wins when we win a game. And it's just like, we had five more penalties than they did. Cause <laughs> we can't, you can't just be, you know, all positivity, you know, we got to be fair on both sides of the coin. To that point, though, I feel like there was one drive where Washington State had a holding Washington. and then a false start. I'm sorry, Washington Don't had a holding. Don't you refer to them as our besties, Betty. Yeah. <laughs> our, they, they had a false start holding, false start. Oh, we were lit so at I that think, moment. Right. <laughs> so it was like 
and three of those eight penalties happened within like three or four different plays. So, yeah, I mean, it, you're right, though. Washington did have more penalty yards than Oregon State did, but it felt like Oregon State's penalties were spread out amongst drives that were drive killers. And especially that one happened at a really inopportune time. Right. So, yeah. Well, but, but here's the other thing before I move on. I've seen a lot of people say, hey, it was because of this or the Rome Adunze. He he had pushed off on one of those. Like, yeah, like when I saw the replay, I was like, he didn't push off. That was right. 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 I think it's just I think it's just Beaver fans like it sucks. It sucks. It does suck. It sucks to lose, especially sucks to lose to that team in the way that we did. But it's hard for me to say this but sometimes you do just have to tip your hat to the other team washington the their story coming into this game was they haven't played well but they've always found a way to win at the end and that's kind of what happened here yeah well it ensured that washington will play for the pac-12 championship in las vegas on december 1st the result also formally eliminated Oregon State from participating in that game. It was still within the realm of possibility that we could make it if we had beaten Washington. So we can't play for the Pac-12 title anymore in this last season of the conference as we know it, which would have been the best piece of poetry and uh, Shakespearean theater that we could have hoped for. And I will be mourning that loss for the next couple of days, but not any longer than that because the season's not over yet. Mm -mm. Nope. We can still fuck things up. We can still hand Oregon its second loss of the season. Well, Beavers are the biggest disruptors in nature. So this is yes. In our blood. (laughs) I don't, I'm not even going to fact check that. Yes. (laughs) they are a dam of beavers is the biggest disrupting crew in the entire animal kingdom it's hate oregon week it's civil war week if you don't want to call it civil war week call it hate oregon week and this game feels so much more important if that's even possible than it normally does we're eight and three they are ten and one they if we beat them, do they still make a Pac-12 championship game? Not if Not Arizona if, wins. Yeah. yeah, if Arizona... Arizona has the tiebreaker with them? Well, so they didn't play each other, so the tiebreaker scenario is common opponents with the best conference record. Okay. So, yeah, there's... So there Arizona is a, would have it, then. There's a possibility, yes, if Arizona wins out and we beat Oregon... I have to Oregon, imagine... Arizona are significant favorites in the Territorial Cup against Arizona State. Yeah, they have. Rivalry game, so whatever. But you beat Oregon. Not only do you beat Oregon for the second year in a row, not only do you send them to the Big Ten with a nice kiss-my-ass card, farewell, attached to it, but you might knock them out. You you knocked them out of the college football playoff, probably. I don't see any scenario, even if they were – to make it to the Pac-12 championship game and beat Washington. I don't know if I see the committee putting in a two-loss Pac-12 champion in this year's field of four. Maybe they would. I wouldn't but, say it's 
completely impossible, but I doubt it. I highly doubt it. So you can knock them out of the playoff. You can knock them out of the conference title game, even this fucking the, the biggest thing I'm bemoaning from this against Washington was people have been talking about the Washington Oregon rematch for six weeks. Like it's scripture, like it's for sure going to happen. And it's pissed me off entirely. And we're a fucking fourth down completion away from getting a field goal attempt to keep our name in, in the ring for a chance to play in that game beyond those two mutineers heading to the big 10 next year who won't meet each other in Indianapolis, but you can knock Oregon out of that game. You can effectively end Bo Nix's Heisman campaign. There's a lot to play for and you can position yourself for bigger marquee games down the road as we're going to, I want to sort of keep, our foot in two, our feet in two different doors here and talk about this game while also sort of thinking about the future. We've got, we've got to move a, a little, a little quickly through these next two segments, but beating Oregon this year with all of the realignment nonsense, whether that actually effectively means anything with the power brokers or the networks or college football casuals or anything will mean a lot as we are the team. One of two teams that has been left for dead in just to make way for our arrival from 40 miles down the road to have their future secured. That doesn't include playing us or have a requirement to play us or anything like that. So not yet. this is so significant, pragmatically significant, and it's also emotionally significant. It's spiritually significant. I don't know that the game has ever truly mattered more, even when it decided who went to the Rose Bowl. And my reasoning for that is because there is actual, there's money on the line in this game. There's bargaining chips on the line for OSU if you win this game for the second year in a row. There's things that you can take to power brokers about your place in the college football pecking order. That matters. Where we land in the end of season college football playoff rankings matters. I don't know when we, when all this was happening in August, we're like, does it even matter if Oregon state wins the national championship this year? I don't know if that matters for conference alignment next season or the very next TV deal we get, but for the future of this program and for what we have to bring to the table to tell people we matter, we deserve to be in power five, like Dickert did after Wazoo stunned Wisconsin in on the Palouse earlier this year. It fucking matters. Where we are matters. Being ranked higher than most of the SEC fucking matters. Being ranked higher than most of the dog shit Big Ten this year fucking matters. I didn't mean to get on my soapbox in this. I was just trying to introduce a very reasonable introductory segment to Oregon State's next opponent like it's week three of the season. But I'm fired the fuck up right now because winning this game fucking matters for so many reasons beyond what it could mean for the, like, the postseason this year or whatever. Yeah. It's so goddamn important. Well, and I had to I had to add into what makes this game significant. Of course, on top of what you're saying is, uh, we haven't won in Eugene in 16 seasons, I believe, is what yeah. the last time it's just December first, 2007. Oh, for our last seven, oh, for our last eight in there. And like one to put that into perspective, obviously there was the James Rogers run in overtime, 
which feels like an eternity ago. And, and then, then Dorian Dor- Smith stuff on Jay Jay Steele, yes. unfortunately. But also, not to make light of it, but it was so long ago that recent Oregon State University Hall of Fame inductee Alexis Cerna kicked a game time field goal in <laughs> overtime, including the extra point after the James Rogers touchdown. So it's been a long time, and I think it would show that it might be time to start forgetting a little bit of history if yeah. you are a casual college football observer who just assumes that it's always been this way, that Oregon always beats up on Oregon State because that's, one, historically inaccurate, and two, a much more of a recency-biased view that we could break by getting a victory on Friday. Yeah. Uh, you know, I saw... I shared with you guys earlier today on Damian Martinez's Instagram story where he just had FTD or FT. It was FT duck emoji dot, dot, dot. It's right. It was team in the, it's a team in the film room with, yeah. with Oregon with, on the, on the, on the Yes. Yeah. I, you got to love that. Penny, that's love what that. you love live for is yeah, players I, buying in. That, to that is why Damian Martinez is Benny's favorite Oregon State offensive player ever for shit like that. More so than any amazing run he's had. I well, I, I love that for for all the reasons that you guys just said, but also like I know the way I personally feel is like there was so much buildup and so much emotion that was going into that Washington game. We got, we have been talking about it for a while and it yeah. lived up to everything that we build it as. And Reese had never been rocking as much. And it felt like there was a lot of air that was just let out of not only the building, but sort of the enthusiasm for the program almost. And, and I know it's only been three days, but like, I totally get it. we, we were in the position to do something really, really special and still are, but it feels like that was cut down at the knees with that loss to Washington. It was just a huge blow. I said on my way to Reister, like I've never been more excited for a game than what I was for that Washington game. And, and if I felt that from other Beaver fans, I don't know if that's, if Damien speaks for everyone in the locker room, but I guess just my natural expectation was that the players were going to feel that way too, especially with it being senior day. I mean, we saw Anthony Gould being really emotional. I mean, obviously that was emotion that was based on being here for, you know, the last, I think it's five years that he's been with the program, but I think a lot of it had to do with that game too. So the fact that the players, at least Damien has moved on, and is focused on Oregon makes me really happy. And and I second everything that you guys said about this game. I think there is recency bias, and I think it's important to call that out. You know, I've mentioned several times on this podcast, like I grew up as a Beaver fan. My dad went to Oregon State, and I can remember the years, like before Phil Knight got really involved, and Oregon and Oregon State were on the same playing field, like, Oregon didn't have millions and millions of dollars being pumped into it. And it was just another state university. And the, like, I don't know, this isn't anything new to Beaver fans, but Oregon bought themselves success, but they also bought themselves a fan base and a particular type of fan base. I think one of the things that I'm 
so proud of of being an Oregon State Beaver supporter is the fact that it is about the community. I, was, I, I saw my Aunt Teresa, sort of sidebar for a second. I saw my Aunt Teresa, whose daughter, my cousin Ray, is in the Oregon State band. She didn't really like have any affiliation with the football team. She actually said like, we're here for the band, but football is starting to grow on me. <laughs> and and we talked about like the cool thing here whether you're here for the band or whether you're here for the football team is the community the community of people from Corvallis the community of people that went to Oregon State the community of people that are faculty at Oregon State are athletes at Oregon State or coaches at Oregon State like there is a community there and we're bonded by one thing and that is being a community around Oregon State and I think that is such a complete stark contrast to what Oregon has bought with the money from Phil Knight. And again, this isn't anything new for Oregon State fans, but to have a team essentially buy its way out of being in that tit-for-tat partnership with you for 95% of the rivalry, and they're going out not only benefiting them, but leaving you for dead and the fan bases have just become the total opposite of each other. Like this game matters for all of those reasons, for all of the reasons that you guys said and there, what was, we called it anger before, like when we did play Oregon, <laughs> right? We called anger and it was like, it, it truly was. There was yeah. an anger there because of what I said, because emphasize the past had, tense there. Cause anger doesn't come close to covering it anymore, <laughs> but right. But, but I mean, because their fan base is so different, they're not like us. Like they, they are not like us. It's a different fan base. It's much more of a professional sports fan base. What Oregon state has. And now that they've left us for dead, Forget benefiting themselves. Like, I mean, they, they were out for number one. They've always been out for number one. They say that Oregon State would have done the same thing if we were in their position. No, no what you're, you're doing is dumb, Oregon. <laughs> well, and, and I, th yeah, I mean, of course, a school that has funneled as much money as Oregon has into their athletic program and we're, Look, like I'm spitballing here, but I would venture to say like 70% of Oregon's fans don't have any affiliation with, with their school. And that's the way they want it. So, of course, they're going to go out and look out for number one. I don't think Oregon State does that. I really don't. And maybe that's just like a biased point perspective. You, you but can, I don't think we do. You can well, tell the, the difference in the Oregon too. fan, too. That yeah. like there's, there's, we've, we've all, I, I know, Benny, I know you and I have, but like we've talked to several Oregon fans who are like, fuck like i don't love this new reality like i not mad that we're part of the haves and not the have nots but like and all, all, and, 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 and in twitter that, is though, dumb but like there's so many wait, the, you can see all the oregon fans who didn't go to school because they don't give a sh they don't care that they play purdue and not exactly wazoo right. or whatever yeah. because like they don't have any tie to that history and they don't well, give a shit and yeah. i've talked to other older oregon fans who have expressed like, I hope Oregon State and Washington State win the lawsuit. I hope they get the money. Yeah, I honestly right. don't appreciate at all what's happening to them, and don't. I wish that my school didn't have a hand in making this happen. So, yeah, it's, it's just this this new age fan base crowd who found out about 
Oregon by going to a Nike store and seeing the merch and saying it looked cool and then finding out that they played a fast offense style <laughs> game and latched on, latched on, and then bit even too heavily into the rivalry to not understand the intricacies of the historical facts of this rivalry and yeah. have really the uh, the associations of fans and look i know there's oregon state fans who listen to us who don't listen to us and just root for oregon state had no affiliation to oregon state and still root like crazy still hate oregon like crazy and so i don't mean this in a way of saying that if you didn't go to the school you have no right to root for them but there is a different type of fan at Oregon, especially where they have no affiliation and they're almost the loud minority, the most vocal loud minority of fan. And yeah. it gives, it gives the rest of them a bad look, not to say that mm -hmm. they had a good look to begin with, but it, it hurts it even. No one, no one has a good look in those jerseys. No, yeah. not no, even well, in that color you're covered in, it, when you're co covered in duck shit. <laughs> I, I agree. And and I I think it's I'm glad you guys both called that out. I, I I think that it is it tends to be the older duck fan, someone who was there in the 80s, the duck fan in the early 90s, that that truly does feel sympathy. And, and I'm not the one to say, like, oh, don't give me your sympathy. I think they really feel bad and there's nothing right. that they and can do. But the the fact that Oregon ditched Oregon State, that's obviously going to change the dynamic of this rivalry. The yeah. fact that their fans, the vocal ones, and I know Twitter is a dumpster very fire. small, it's, it's yeah. a dumpster fire, but it's also like a small subsection. Those of are the real fans, people. So they are real people. They're real and they're dancing Man, on the perceived real grave. Dicks. <laughs> they're real dicks. They're they're dancing on the perceived grave of Oregon State. And I think like what was anger is now this like dude, i don't even know if there's a word it's even for it, it's the next level of seething hatred yeah like yeah i and i think that fans truly feel that way and for no other reason that's why this game is big it means so much and it would be it would be so heartbreaking to lose so demoralizing to lose and it would feel so fucking good to win even if it was just yeah. for a day to beat them with what's going on uh, extracurricularly right now, like that would mean everything in the world. And then like, do if we can knock them out, it does to me, the PAC 12 championship doesn't matter. It's the college football playoff. Like they are, they've gotten close. They've not gotten it. And for us to make sure that they don't get it, I don't think they have a chance in the world in the big 10. I really don't. I think that's Ohio state and Michigan's conference. And that's not going to change. This is Oregon's like last chance. I think I, I truly think that. And I if you're we right. can close the steel door on that happening, that that would be Shakespearean. Yeah. I've, I don't yeah. think I've ever wanted a sports thing more than this yeah. one. Agreed. And I think we should table the conversation on future civil wars for, for next week because we're, we're already well over an hour here and we do have other sports to get to. And I think we'll, there's so much that needs to play out between just everything on, on if we do sign a contract to continue or what, what happens to allow the civil war to continue past this year. I know the fan base is a little split 
on where we're feeling, but I think we also something that we're not split on is the hype train going into this game. Yeah. And getting one one last victory at Otson, who is a beaver alum motherfuckers one last thing i know we need to move on but oregon state has been favored in every single game they've played this year they're 13 and a half point dogs yep so yep. you want to talk about just getting absolutely zero respect like this game has all of it and on yeah. uh, just a tail tail on that so we're 13 and a half point dogs as of right now and terry you mentioned earlier about Arizona should be able to handle Arizona State, but just to put it into perspective, Arizona State is an 11-point dog right now. Hmm. So their odds of winning against Arizona are better than ours against Oregon. And not to say that I feel like that is those are fair odds, but if we feel confident that Oregon State should be able to just shake all of the doubters and be able to still win even with this kind of line that that you have to apply that same logic to Arizona State. So I don't yeah. I I was I want to set the expectation that even by winning let's just celebrate the victory like as a good old fashioned a good old fashioned rivalry victory one that we have desperately sought for nearly two decades on the road now yeah. and not worry about things outside of our control, like knocking them out of the Pac-12 championship, because if we can do it, so could Arizona state. So nothing, nothing's a given. Of course. Mm. True. But, but, but there's not a two-loss team going into the college football playoffs. And that's what yeah. matters most to them. Yeah. Yeah. There you yeah. Go. yeah. Which I don't get it can why be, they it care can so be... much. It's only like they've done it once. That can be fun. <laughs> fun to play the spoiler. Should we revisit our preseason predictions for this game? Yeah. Yes. Who JP, I'm gonna put the power in your hands. Who would who which whose prediction would you like to hear first? Yours. I feel like yours mine. is always the. But here's what I said after you covered mine and Benny's. So you lead. <laughs> All right. I I don't have my notes from this. I have my score. I do say think believe I said in the craziest game ever, <laughs> the craziest football game in the history of gridiron combat. Oregon State wins forty three to forty. Wow. Which. Okay. Sounds like a heart attack for all three of us, and probably way more than just that. Our, I don't know if multiple, multiple thousands on either side of the thin red line of this fan base would survive a 43-40 Oregon State win. Mm. But as long as I get to live through the final whistle, I don't care, baby. Just kidding, I do care. But yes, I have a 43-40 victory. I think overtime was a part of that. I don't really give a shit, but that would be pretty, you know, this another layer of poetry with, you know, JP, you mentioned Alexis Cerna being a huge factor in the three Civil War wins he had in his Beaver career against the University of Oregon. That's why he's on the That's, wall. 
three wins <laughs> against University of Oregon. Yeah, I have a 43-40 win. B's win by a field goal. All right, JP, you are Benny next. We'll save Benny for last. I'll go next. Okay. <laughs> JP, your preseason prediction for Oregon State at Oregon, week 13, final Civil War in the Pac-12 as we know it, Black Friday, the noisest scoreline possible. Oregon State wins 69 to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to be closer to yours than mine. I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there. A glorious day for the Beavs. Ten touchdowns. Atticus Sappington misses the last one on purpose to preserve the nicest <laughs> scoreline in the history of college sports. Are you going to stick to that prediction, my friend? Yeah, but I'm going to say he doesn't miss it on purpose. He just takes a knee. Okay, <laughs> that would be a oh, man. That would be he so just, awesome. He just grabs the grabs the snap and then just takes a knee and then flips off Dan Lanning, aka oh. aka Land Danning. Yeah, Land Danning. God, remember the one time you called him Land Danning that Oregon fan got so mad about it. Where was that? <laughs> I, I was like very. I can't remember, but it was very very early. I just remember you think it was very funny, and it it, it was also very dumb. And it got, that's it why got, it's funny. It got one duck fan so fired up about it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I thought you guys didn't care about us. I thought we weren't even real rivals, and you're just mad that we moved two letters around. What? <laughs> <laughs> but we did it. That's his real name, Land Danning. Yeah, yeah. It's like Old Miss. Sorry that Oregon fans can't read. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. All right, Benny. I'm actually not sorry. We should all know. It's the full. It's the full we aged. 42 uh, to 14. Yeah. Oregon victory. Oregon State victory. I'll stick with that. Hey, what's I, our I closest feel, full we age thus far this season? This season? Mm. Yeah. Was it the Stanford game, maybe? Even though we far outshot our end of it. Uh, nope. San it was San Jose State, forty-two. Yeah, forty-two to seventeen. Yeah, oh, like yeah. That first oh, one. Yeah, man. we should put wow. like a dollar. We should put like ten dollars in every game to see if there's a full we hate. Like a scoregami. If you don't follow NFL Scoregami right. on Twitter, NFL Scoregami is a great account. That's a yeah. very fun follow. Yeah, you have to follow them. We should we should create a the full we hate. Account full on we Twitter. Full we hate Agami. <laughs> yeah. The funny part about that, I was so that was in our first prediction episode, and I was so stoned. I I was thinking in my head, I was like, is this is this even a possible score? I love how when we reveal when our, our, our longest running recurring segments have a foundation of Ben being high. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you guys, think, have, you guys reference that every week. Like, oh, yeah, the first time we did it, I was so stoned. I don't <laughs> even know why I was doing it. Like, oh, it's <laughs> a four-round win. That is a plausible score. Maybe, I'm going to go with that. For the offseason. And then you're probably cream. also like, did I already use this score yet? I don't think so. It, I thought too hard about it. I probably you didn't always, say it out loud. <laughs> you always <laughs> said this is going to be, we'll win. 
It won't be a blowout, though. It'll be a closer one, a close win by a score of like 42 to 14. Yeah. I'm checking to see if there's ever been a game. That I, for sure has. I, I think just, a cool offseason project for me will be to do like a written history of all the full weehages in Oregon State history on Korea. Yeah, I like that. I love that idea. And what I also was saying is that when we have our full Agami Twitter account, after like the first score of every Oregon State game, we'll say the score is seven to nothing. The game has a sixty-nine percent chance of ending in a score of <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I am very. And it very will good always the 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 win probability index will always be sixty-nine <laughs> percent until an opponent scores more than fourteen, or the Bees score more than forty-two, <laughs> and then it'll go to zero or a hundred. There are three total percentage points. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I feel I feel I feel a little devilish that 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 may happen. I feel I feel what's what's the word? I feel good. I'm still I feel fucking confident. And man, Smith has this team playing good after losses like we don't really fuck up after losses very often in these like this last two years of this program. Like we're not going to get walked over despite what Oregon fans think and what the national media might think and what Vegas might think. Like, this is going to be a close game, and we're coming to fucking play, assholes. Let me ask you this question. Oregon State, this is the headline on Sunday morning. Oregon State beats Oregon because of X. What's X? Oh, well, it depends what the outcome is in the sense of if your prediction's right, or mine is right, and it's either if yours is right, it is because of the full we age trademark. They have to include that because we've trademarked it. <laughs> or, or it's because they score the noisest amount in college football history. <laughs> I just want Dashel to have to write noise on his <laughs> on his computer. <laughs> The, uh, the autocorrect would be would fuck with Dashel so bad voice. every time. <laughs> yeah, voice, nice voice. Vo- no choice. <laughs> Boys, boy state. Bocce ball. <laughs> it just go- goes way off the rails. <laughs> Benny, mine is because of greatest quarterbacking performance. In Civil War history, by not Bo Nix, aka Bo Picks, but because of DJ Uwe Youngalale. Didn't I say something that he was going to have the game? That's how we were going to get to 69. It was going to be like, I thought he was going to throw five touchdowns. 10 touchdown passes? Sure. No, we wouldn't have thought. Oh, maybe, yeah. Mine is if Atticus took a knee. Oregon State gets pressure on Bo Nix and sacks him five times. I think he's only been sacked. He's only been sacked like it's certainly single digits. It's like three or four times this year. Remember when Joey Harrington threw five interceptions against Oregon State? I think I remember the game. Yeah, that's that's all I had. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Another Oregon quarterback who didn't win the Heisman but had a. Fucking skyscraper size poster in Times Square. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. here's here's a full circle. Joey Harrington. 
Central Catholic grad. Do you know who else is a Central Catholic grad? Oh. Katan Oladapo. Oh. Yep. Katan Oladapo. <laughs> a lot of good football players. Five picks in the Civil War. <laughs> All right. So yeah. here you have it, Beaver fans. You're a totally unbiased, real boots on the Ola ground five reporting. Picks, though. Katan Oladapo will have five interceptions, and DJ Uyunglele will throw 10 touchdowns as Atticus Happington then takes a knee on a 69 to nothing extra point in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yes. This podcast has always been rooted in reason. Yeah. Well, I stand by my prediction. I'm sorry. Yes. I stand by mine, too. And, I'm a yeah. man of my word, Terry. Do you even know what that kind of, what weight that carries in today's day and age? I do. Okay. I appreciate great. that. <laughs> I wouldn't do the show with you if you weren't a man of your word. Debatable. That's for well, that's for Benny's bonus belligerence. We can argue. Oh. We can <laughs> argue about if you would do the show if I was not a man of my word. Uh, Subscribe to so I'd probably stop doing it, but. I don't oh. see that happening, even no matter how hard you try. <laughs> I'm not trying. <laughs> I know you're not trying. <laughs> no matter how hard you would try in a hypothetical okay. scenario. Right. Thank you. When you're a worse person than you actually are. My best, one of my best friends. Benny also being one of my best friends. I love you both. I also love Oregon State soccer. <laughs> I love that you put what that segue. segue it is. That segue was as speed of a turn as... Andrew, De, damn it, Andrew DeGaines first career first goal of the season, which put the fucking hammer down on a three nil victory against the Portland Pilots at Merlot Field in Portland, Oregon, on Sunday night, as the Beavs win three nil against the number eleventh ranked National League Portland Pilots. The win ends a twenty five game unbeaten streak for the Portland Pilots at Merlot Field, which is genuinely known as one of the best college soccer atmospheres in the country, one of the best college soccer fields in the country, one of the best home field advantages in the country. None of that mattered. Joining Andrew in the scorer's circle was Logan Farrington, who's been just Mr. Dependable, finding the back of the net all day, every day. He scored the first two for Oregon State. With great assists by Fran Cortijo, Turner Humphrey on the first one, just in the in the ninth minute of the first half, and then also with an assist by the birthday boy himself, Dante Williams, and Per Belmonte. Greg Dolby's team dismantles the Pilots three nil, and we're going to Dallas, baby, for a shot at qualifying for the NCAA quarterfinals. We play one of the best teams in the country, the SMU Mustangs. Another school destined to be part of the ACC later gang. So we don't give a shit. This is Eric Dickerson is not walking through that door. Mustang <laughs> fans. Pony Express is not walking through that door. You know who is Logan Farrington, Dante Williams, Greg Dalby, and the babies, baby. Just kidding. We're not flying to Dallas, but on Saturday, <laughs> Beeves will play SMU in the Sweet 16. How sweet it is. JP, we were there in person. We were there. And hey, I want to I want to close the loop on on Benny's relational statements earlier that so Joey Five Picks went to the same high school as you and Katana Oladapo. And did you know that Katana Oladapo's brother is the goalkeeper for the Portland Pilots? 
cash. What? Yep. I didn't know that. And I wasn't his game, obviously. I mean, I just think it was more his so fault though. Those yeah, were... I think it's more so our game. Absolute bangers. Coming, he came off two clean sheets, actually three of four, other than giving up a goal against LMU. But LMU also upset UCLA and knocked them out of the NCAA tournament. So clearly they've got a pretty decent squad. But yeah. Do they even play soccer in the Big Ten? I have, I honestly Just... have no idea. Like, I, I thought about that before. I don't even know. South, south of the Mason Dixon line, man. <laughs> we're Yo. not south of the Mason Dixon. Yeah, but that's why we're special. Just like yeah. we are in baseball. That's right. That is true. That's true. I was going to say, nice transition. You put in the notes how sweet it is. Sweet 16. We were there. It was awesome. We teased it earlier on that the mini bebe got his fair share of sweets. It was a sugar overload. I would say shout out to the Merlot Field concession stands. But man, they were selling these little bags of cotton candy that was like this maybe the size of my face very and dense <laughs> packed bags of cotton candy that may or may not have had cocaine in them 200 percent of your daily requirements of sugar which i realized i'm surprised there's through, only 200 you're, i realized you're, it you're halfway solid. through the kid being through it and i was like oh you're done this i can't believe that you just ate this much of this this was yeah yeah he, he, he slept he, well. He, he gave me a few bites, and the first one I was like, well, I just got a cavity. <laughs> <laughs> it was not fun. A little tasty, but also painful. Yeah, yeah. And I do have to shout out, dude, the, the pilots, fans, the student section. They the were lit. The student section was, they were lit. They, and they didn't, st- it was 3 nil for like the last like 15, 20 minutes of the game, and they did not stop. No, was, and as we like were leaving, see. as we were leaving, we're in the car, we're just driving down the street past the field again. And those guys or gals, they all, the entire student section that was like banging on their drums and blowing their horns, yeah. they all they waving their flags. They all started just like marching down the street after the game, and they were still making noise. They none of them were looking distraught. None of them looked, you know, like angry. They they I think. We're just having fun, being appreciative of the of a good season, and so, yeah, I thought yeah. that I thought it was a great atmosphere. I'd never seen a game there, but man, they made they they set a bar pretty well. Yeah, that was that was fantastic. Great atmosphere that they created, and yeah, great. There's a lot of Beavs fans though, which mm-hmm. is great to see, and just a great NCAA tournament moment for Logan Farrington. I don't think we've talked about Logan enough on this podcast, or just in Oregon State circles. Dude was Pac-12 Player of the Year, and just, you know, I know this is Greg Dalby's first year, and Terry Boss had also had a lot to do with setting the culture of this program, but this is the third consecutive season that Abiv has been Pac-12 Player of the Year. And so they'll, they'll be the final one. In 2021, and Joran Gerbet in 2022, and this year it being Logan Farrington, and, you know... It, yeah, I, I didn't even want this to like come into like be like a, another realignment thing, but this realignment nonsense touches everything. And yeah. they said this was about all student athletes and the goodwill of all student athletes. They honestly don't give a fuck about 
any Olympic sports or anything, anything outside of football, really. They might be able to pretend a little bit better for men's basketball, but these suits don't care about these students. And there's been a stranglehold on Pac-12 excellence on the soccer field from this men's soccer program for Oregon State. And I know that the Pac-12, the makeup of the Pac-12 for soccer is a bit different so i think adjusting yeah, the affiliate program with san diego, san diego state. state and a lot a lot of pa- a lot of regional powers and like just good programs i mean just beating seattle you last week and up last night like there there are you don't need to necessarily rely on the conference affiliation maybe i i, I shouldn't say that as an absolute but like shouts to logan farrington for the season that he's had shouts to coach greg dalby for everything and just you know the lots of guys on first team second team honorable mention you know ellis spikner has been a great player for this team for a while luis castillo has been a great player for this team for a while javier ames has been a great player for this team for a while we mentioned our, dante our dude the, yeah our dude the like, birthday boy dante williams birthday happy, boy dante happy williams. belated and dante. Don, lot, like i haven't been able to watch this team in person a ton you know it's it's hard to you know get to corvallis like on like when I have these things like overlap with these football games we've gone to over like the last like few years. But like when you watch a full game and when you watch this Dante in person, like the way he affects everything, like the dude he's, is he's everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. And when they had like Dante and Logan at, at the top, I think, I think it was, you know, a bit of like a four for two, a, you know, I, I can never, I watched a lot of soccer, but I, I have to be honest. I don't all can always tell this shape that that they're in unless the coach tells me so we need we need to have coach Dolby on the pod i know he's busy but we'll we'll have him on at some point in the coming months for sure after they celebrate their but, championship hell yeah but like dante's <laughs> just all over the place he's making shit uncomfortable for the back line he's making shit uncomfortable for the defensive he's just so popping quick up around the ball at all times he's so quick he's such a fluid passer this game is like get a feel for his movement and stuff in person like, and you see why it works so well with logan i mean logan's just yeah. like a Logan Logan makes his own space and when he gets when he gets the ball he's he's kind of like a bulldozer like he just yeah. he uses his size to his advantage he's, he's so he's, strong he bu- he's, he's a so bully. strong Logan's a yeah. bully he's yeah he's an absolute bully out there and seeing it live I was not able to get out to see them down at Lorenz this season and part of that's on me blame most of it on my newborn child you have, you have three children <laughs> <laughs> You did choose to have three children, so that is on you. But yeah, also, I also chose that I was done having children. So see, I make grown-up you choices. You do, you do. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But watching them both be out there and not just like you know the zoomed-in camera work or like the errant pan from Pac-12 Network, you really see the fluidity between those guys. And most of the front line just seems like they are completely on the same page at all times. Just I don't know. I mean, it was it was expert, expert work, and it wasn't like expert work that they eked out a win 1-0. I mean, they, there they was – they dominated. And I think that unless you watched it, you, you probably wouldn't take that away. I know 3-0 three, three is obviously a still a still heavily favored score for the winning team, but it was – it was, and we talked about this. It was, method- was it was methodical. Yeah, because it wasn't like we were dominating possession. No, 
we we it the ball to be honest was most of the time we were uh, it was on the our defensive side of the field. I mean, like Portland had a lot of time to set set things up, run some plays, and like at first it was very there's a big discrepancy on shots on goal even, but then they started attacking because we were kind of sitting in back, and maybe that's just the you know what what the whole game plan was for this because yeah UP's had our number for a while and and, yep. and it always likes to play spoiler against you know really, really any bigger schools at least attendance wise but when we when we started moving downfield that you could see that everyone was ready everybody was in 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 their role in their zone just operating like absolute surgeons to get through the defense and every strike we had on goal was like, I mean, if you, if you blinked, even the fastest blink you, you missed from strike to potential net. It was, it was insane out there. Yeah. And I know SMU's a great team, but they're going to, they're going to give those Mustangs all they can handle. Well, we're one and SMU all time. Oh, there we go. We haven't played them in I, five years, but I I didn't obviously watch the game, so I don't have a lot of perspective to add there. But just a thought that I had the other day, I wonder if in sports like men's and women's soccer and the Olympic sports, and maybe throw women's basketball in there, maybe not women's basketball, but the idea of where everyone says like, oh, it's going to suck so much for the the players in those sports for realignment. I don't know if people actually think about what that's going to do to recruiting. I could see Oregon state because of that becoming yep. a power in a sport like soccer or in gymnastics or in, I, I, I I'll throw women's basketball in there. Cause they're definitely not getting any chartered flights. Yep. Nope. So maybe this is the start of sort of normalcy to getting deep. Term- well, it's the start. Well. It's the start of separation of football from the rest of college athletics. True. Because I totally agree and have spoken with athletes who are not football players and they have expressed the same thing. Yeah, like we don't get the cushy flights. We don't get the the great accommodations. And regionality is important to us, like being able to play nearby and be able to have our family and friends go to the games. That That's why I play. I play. I I'm here for an education, but I play because I love it, and part of the reason why I love it is because I know it brings me joy and the people that I care about joy, and I'm not yeah. trying to take the joy out of it for me. So I've thought the same thing, and I'm very more so. I've expressed it as it's going to screw over these schools that are trying to make these national or join these national conferences because they're going to lose those. St- recruits that they could have gotten in those sports that they're like, not, nah, never mind. Yeah. The upside isn't there for me. So why am I going to do yeah. this? But yeah. I never really expressed or fully thought about the trickle down. And you just said it, but yeah, I mean, it, that does feel very real and a very likely outcome of yeah. all of this reshuffling. 100%. Yeah. That game Saturday, November 25th, 5 p.m. Pacific time. I know. But support men's soccer. Support the Beavs. If they win, they will play the winner of the North Carolina-Hofstra match in 
the NCAA quarterfinals, which I believe are in Louisville this year. That's the the College Cup. So mm. if you if you win, you essentially you get to the the Omaha of college soccer, which I know changes cities every year. But you're you're in the you're in the, you're in that final stretch. And shout out to Jesus, listener Jesus, and uh, and his brothers. Yeah, hit us up. Let us know he was at the game. Jesus, been so great having you in the Discord. And as a listener of the show, and also just your passion for Oregon State soccer is dope. And yes. uh, I'm j- wanted to steal that autograph, that ball with all those autographs that you had. <laughs> Ho- hope you're able to add a few signatures to it after we parted ways last night. But we got to meet Jesus in person. We got to meet so many people at the football game on Saturday, and then we got to meet Jesus on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, just that was cool. The, thanks for meeting up. Thanks for letting us know you were in attendance. I don't know why we would have assumed otherwise. It's <laughs> an Oregon State men's soccer game in the state of Oregon. We, right. we should have known you'd be there. be there. But appreciate your passion, man. I mean, it's definitely beyond admirable. And like this team does deserve to have a super fan like that and more. I mean, I, like, I really do hope that this kind of success continues to parlay year over year. I, I know continuity has been like a tough thing for this program despite the success. But... Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I think if we can just stick in the driver's seat with the the coaching regime, regime the players, the transfers, and and the caliber of of the seasons that we're having, then we're, we'll continue to see people maybe not the same level as Jesus, but you know the more more in that same vein. And I and I think that's a great thing for this program and for our school. And Jesus is setting that example. A hundred percent. To the hard one. Good news and bad news. The bad news, Oregon State loses to Nebraska 84-63 to at the Sanford Pentagon in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I was going to go to this game, but I came to Corvallis for the football game instead, and I am glad that I did. The drive to Sioux Falls is longer than the flight to Portland. So had I, had I gone to the game, I would have had a, a, a longer drive. than You probably had media today. credentials sitting there waiting for I did. you. No, they, shout out to I, – I won't share your name. <laughs> you probably don't care. But the, the guys at, uh, at, at Sanford, uh, the Pentagon and City Falls, who did give me media credentials when I had reached out a few weeks ago. Right um, away. I, did, I, let the, I let them know that right, within seconds they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you. Yeah, wow. Thanks I, for the And coverage. I appreciate it. I appreciate mm. it. I would have loved to have talked to with Coach Tinkle and with Jordan Pope, who had a great game. Just catch up with those guys while they're in the Midwest. Good little pit stop for them on their way to New York for the NIT early season tip-off, preseason tip-off, but it's not preseason, whatever. NIT tip-off. They play Baylor, who won the national championship the year that we went to the Elite Eight. So I think if we win this game, we're retroactively awarded a national championship. (laughs) That's on Wednesday, and we will play either Pitt or Florida on Friday. All of those games can be seen on ESPN2. Never heard of it. Imagine that's some kind of sports programming channel. Yeah, ESPN2, Wednesday, November 22nd, 4 p.m. Pacific time. The good news, though, is that Oregon State women's basketball absolutely blasted UC Davis, 86-48 to 48 on Friday night at a game that Benny and I really dropped the ball at not getting to. We were in the arena. We were in Gill for a bit during the game. 
We you just didn't get credentials. Get, we didn't ask for credentials, no, which was oversight on all of our parts. And Me, we I showed up literally a minute <laughs> on both of our parts. And we showed up literally a minute after ticket sales had stopped for the night. And I think the great quote with Benny, we were standing in front of Gil. They were already up by like 45 points. We knew the women's basketball team didn't need us on this particular evening. Benny was like, or ever we're, <laughs> we could sneak in. And I was like, we're adults. And oh, Benny, you are Benny. <laughs> And Benny said, not in channeling. Corvallis, Alice, we're not. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> you were channeling you were channeling nineteen year old Benny of like, no, there's a way. And there's the way. We might get held there for the police to come and get us, but there is a way <laughs> to get in. But you're so much older. Think about all the experience you have now of being able to talk your way out of something like that compared to when or you I were would just 18, leave. 19 years old. Yeah. 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 Wait for the police. Had, had we no. <laughs> had we successfully done that, we would have gotten to see Reagan Beers's third double double in as many games. We would have Let's been go. able to see Tamia Gardner's first career double double as a member of Oregon State women's basketball. Kennedy Schuler had her first double-digit scoring outing for the Beavs with 11 points. Another freshman who's looking phenomenal. Yep. And just, yeah, we took the lead, I think, less than two minutes into the game and then just had it wire to wire. So 86-48, your Oregon State women's basketball team is 3-0 and and finally got that sort of comfortable blowout high-scoring win that we were craving. They will host University of Maryland, Baltimore County in Corvallis on Wednesday, November 22nd. That's tomorrow or today uh, at, at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Get out to Gill. And then they have a little bit of time off. They have a full week off, actually. A Next full week A full week off. Next a full week off. Wednesday, November 29th, as we were saying, at 11 a.m., uh, Pacific mm. time. So Do we know anyone cool who went there. to Weber State. No, no, Damian Lillard. I said cool. Who? I still, I still think Damian Lillard's cool. Really? But okay. That's for a Benny's bonus belligerence episode. Yeah, probably. I, I'm sure his ex-wife thinks differently. Uh, Amber, oh, no, oh, I wanted shit. to say. I want to look up. Well, you talk while I look up Weber State notable alumni. Okay, yeah, okay. Look, this is the part of the podcast where we look things up. But while you're doing that, I would say that this was a great a great team victory where a lot of people got in the game. It was, like was there any player who didn't get time that was suited up? I can't imagine so. I think there was like at least 12 players who got minutes. And I think that kind of experience is huge for this team that is, I mean, really like on the young side. And they, they I, I keep, I feel like we say that every season, like, well, this team is extremely young. They've got a lot of youth, but they still do. And they have a lot of contributors that are also still like underclassmen. And I think that Kennedy Schuler is going to be a huge part of this season. I can't wait to see what Tamia does with more than like a handful of games under her belt as she got last year when she was finally able to get on the court and 
when everyone's out there and they can gel and they can get experience in games like this, where last season there was a little bit of like a, oh no, they, they, they aren't taking it to opponents like they should. And there was a, there was a, maybe a bit of panic from the coaches to figure out how to right the ship. Reagan didn't get a ton of time. You know, Talia had a huge emphasis on her, and she was clearly not healthy. But if everyone can stay healthy and everyone gets some experience, I love this squad. I think that there is so, so much potential, and they're getting so overlooked because you've got leadership, you've got size, you've got dominant players, you've got skill, you've got shooting. There isn't a facet of this team that is behind the curve. It's all going to come down to experience, though, making sure that they get used to playing together, get the rotation right. And if somebody needs to step up due to injury or due to just game circumstances, that they they have something to pull from that they've experienced already. And this is one of those games that they didn't get last year. They didn't feed everybody in to get minutes. They did it for this one. So, yeah, yeah this is commanding. I'm, I'm already feeling very good about this season. They could be the completed package. Yeah, especially if they stay healthy. JW Marriott attended Weber State. Oh, I used to them. work for Marriott. I used to smoke pot with JW. <laughs> <laughs> I smoked pot with JW Marriott and Jimmy Madison and Harrison Berg <laughs> and UC Davis out of a uh, Clayton Clay. No, it's actually Unc. It was Unc Davis, but the N got dropped over time. <laughs> That signals the end of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) We need to be done. Yeah, another week coming on, another season at Reister coming on. But thank you, Beaver fam, for making it the most special, most amazing. Yeah, and everyone for the meetup, the meetup at halftime. Come on, we got it. We got to really give them. Yes, love. absolutely, and 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 Scott Scott's uh, Beaver Dam. Well, Linda, Scott coordinated Keith, all that. Everyone's showing up. Will yep. later, Will later's friend, who is an Oregon State cheerleader, his name I'm forgetting. Jordan, I think your name was. I'm sorry. <laughs> we got to hang out with Ashton, who has been on the pod before. Yeah, Ashton. I missed her, but I was you right there. Ashton. I think. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Ashton. Next time, Timbo. next time you come all the way out to the West Coast. <laughs> Miles from New Orleans. There's so many people. Amy. 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 Yes, Amy. Yeah. Amy, Amy come the on goat. The pod. Yeah, we that's the next one. Why why hasn't Amy Schwartz been on this podcast in 117 episodes? Because we don't know what the hell we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> we are idiots. You, you knew that we are we are proud yeah. idiots. Shot Chef knows it. this podcast. Um, <laughs> idiots enjoying coldies, enjoying friends, enjoying beefs, enjoying stuff, being dudes. This has been the Belligerent Beefs Podcast, the 117th episode of the Belligerent Beefs Podcast, to be exact. We wish there had been a better result on the field at Reeser on Saturday, but still, 
We are so proud to be Beavs nonetheless. We're so proud to know so many great people in this community. And we're so goddamn proud and tickled silly that people listen to this podcast while JP somehow summons the balloons and the confetti (laughs) magically in his Zoom avatar right now. Betty still hasn't done it, but it's not going to stop him from trying. This is me at research. It's something with peace signs and stuff. And this is not the part of the podcast when we look things up. This is the part of the podcast where JP and Benny try to make it as difficult as possible for me to close out the episode. But I am undeterred. I am undistractable through 117 episodes of podcasting at this point. This has been the Belligerent Bees Podcast. My name has been and always will be Terry Horstman, a.k.a. Terrace Horstman of the Terrace Gang. You can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Terry Horstman. X is going to give it to you. And at Terrence Horstman on Instagram.com. Come be on the lookout for Bridgerton season three or season four. I can't remember which dropping on Christmas day. Boxing day is the day that British people give a shit about. And yeah, my beloved co-host as always in Portland, fresh off of hosting me and a bunch of other Neanderthals, JP Bertram. He's at the Trill J on X formerly known as Twitter. That's at, the underscore trio underscore J because he's too trio to be real and at JP Bertram on I G and of course back in Tacoma wearing some John Lennon hippie shades oh my god that's the scariest thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> in my entire life Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Weehage aka Benny Bedlam aka Benny Game, aka Benny Blastoff, a.k.a. Benny Perner, a.k.a. Benny with the good quaff, because his quaff is fucking luxurious, folks. He is at BennyL1986 on all social media channels. And follow us, for gosh sakes. We're on X, follow me known as Twitter, at Beavs. We're on Instagram, at Beavs. We are the Belligerent Beavs on Facebook, the Belligerent Beavs, Blue Sky, the Belligerent Beavs on TikTok, the belligerent beeves on YouTube, the belligerent beeves on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, if that still exists, and anywhere else you can get your podcast. Now would be a great time to go wherever you get those podcasts and give us a five-star review and share the show with a friend. It really helps us grow the show a lot. We have really appreciated your support this season and look forward to bringing you much more many more many much more great episodes in the months years decades and centuries and thank you so much for tuning into this and remember no matter how much rain mother nature dumps on you during a really disappointing game at research or if you're playing the most annoying insufferable asshole fan base ever and you're at Otten next week be undeterred don't give a shit and remember don't that no matter what don't pee in their stadium Unless it's in the proper receptacle with the proper plumbing attached to it. Also, remember that you can't spell chop them without hope. So, chop them. Chop them. Chop them. Fuck Oregon. Beat the fucking ducks. Tell Landanning to have a great Thanksgiving because the Belligerent Bees is chop them.